Uh, I don't know if it's fall yet, so I, I can still ask you about summer. Uh, how's your summer going? Um, you all go on vacation? Come back? You still on vacation? Uh, folks over there back in school? Yeah, yeah. Excited? No? No one's excited? Um, so, uh, just in case you had a great summer, I, I don't mean to bring the party down, but I, I just, like, for the first half of, I had a terrible summer. It was just, it was awful. And, uh, again, I'm just, I'm not trying to, like, depress anyone. I'm just, I'm just being honest, you know. Um, and so, what, what happened is, like, there was a lot of transition in church, and then so it was, like, compounded stress on me. I was so looking forward to going on vacation. And then the moment I went on vacation, I started having like a health problem. For those of you who know, I have these chronic issues with my masseter muscles. And then I got on vacation and it just felt like someone was constantly, when I was talking, like, like stretching my masseter muscles when I'm talking. So it was this great sense of distracting, debilitating discomfort. It's just really weird. And so it was just, honestly, it was just a horrible vacation. And um, so here's the thing that actually made it. Now I've really depressed everyone, haven't I? You were feeling good like a moment ago. But, but let me tell you why it was so hard. It was so hard because before my vacation, uh, my, my sister-in-law asked me if I would be the conference speaker for their like, uh, summer retreat. And I said, yes. And so I said yes to speaking five times in two and a half days. Five times. I, I think, I don't know if I said yes before I knew that, right? But here's the thing. If I'm doing well with no discomfort, five times in two and a half days is, a, is like a big thing for me, right? But if I'm doing really poorly, which I was, and I'm speaking five times in two and a half days, that's just insane, that's just like asking for like some permanent damage beyond the point of no return. And so this is what was happening. I don't know if, if retreat speakers do this, but as I was going into the retreat, I started to pray that God would cancel the retreat. I st- I'm, you know, I'm not kidding. I'm like, and so I don't know. I was reading back into this, but I'm like, is this like Asian American passive aggressiveness? Like, I don't want to say no I just want God to cancel the entire retreat so I don't have to say no. Amen? No, you shouldn't be proud of me, but that's just what happened. Like, Lord, can you just cancel the, you can do anything, God, can you just cancel the entire trip? Um, and then this is what happened. The day after I text, I, 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 I prayed that prayer, I'm not kidding you, my sister-in-law gives me a text. She goes, I'm so, we're so excited that you're coming to our retreat. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited too, you know. I'm so excited to like permanently injure myself forever. Yay, okay. So, so then during my vacation, you know, I started to have anxiety attacks because um, I'm, I'm thinking like, look, five times in two and a half days, just no way. I just, just no way that's going to, I can do it. I, I can barely do like, like one week, one time. 
Okay, it's not going to happen, right? So I'm going to be up there. I'm going to let everyone down. I'm going to permanently injure myself. And so I started to have these anxiety attacks where the point, like, like two nights, I just couldn't sleep. You know, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, worrying about it, worrying about it, worrying about it. And then, and then um, in August, uh, the, 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 the retreat happened. Now, I'm going to just stop right there. I'll tell you, I promise to tell you what happened um, later. But I want to stop right there and just ask you if you've ever felt the way I have felt. Yeah. Have you ever felt like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm called to do something and... I, I need to be, ought to be, should be this in order to do it. But in reality, I'm somewhere like over here, and there's a very big gap between who I should be and, and who I actually am. Have you ever been there? I think Brian is saying yes for all of us, right? Have you ever noticed this gap between who you are and who you should be? I'm just wondering... For those of you maybe who are parents of like teenagers, amen, you know, you know where I'm going with that one. Um, any of you just started school, maybe it's like optometry year number two, and it's much more challenging than year number one, amen, am I right? I've heard something about that. Um, what about uh, maybe you've stepped into a leadership role, maybe it's at work or it's a church, or maybe you were just married, you know, and it's like, whoa, I want to be this kind of spouse, or maybe you said yes to mentoring. Are you in this place where you feel like I should be, need to be here, but I'm actually here, and so there is this big gap, and I'm feeling this gap. Now, I went into the conference like that. I, I was like, I want to be confident. I wasn't confident. I, I want to be like this man of faith. I wasn't this man of faith. I want to have like strong masseter muscles, five times no problem. I was nowhere near that. I was scared. I was having anxiety attacks. My faith was ridiculously small. Now, um, turn with me to um, the third chapter of Exodus. And I want to tell you not just the story that most of you have probably heard, I'm not going to tell you a story about a special man, although this man is very special. But I'm going to tell you the regular story of how God deals with every one of his people who feel like, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm insufficient. And what you see in this story is I'm going to make the argument, not just the story of how God dealt with one special case, I'm going to say that this is the normal way that God deals with his people who feel insufficient. Let me hear you guys say the normal way. All right, now here's the context. Here is Moses. He's 80 years old. Okay, but people back then live longer, all right? So it's not the 80 like 80 now. And he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh and he was the adopted son, but his true biological identity is Hebrew. He's one of God's people. And right now, God's people are enslaved in the land of Egypt. And at the age of 40, Moses tries to do something about it. And so he sees this slave master mistreating one of the Hebrews. He goes, and what he does, he murders the slave master, buries him in the sand. Uh, the, the body is uncovered. He's found out, and he's gone into exile, okay? Now, 40 years as a shepherd... And one day, one sheep wanders off, and he goes and finds the sheep, and then he has this encounter with the burning bush. Maybe you know the story, 
and he has this conversation with the living God. Now we're going to take a peek and, and, and we're going to give you a slice right into the conversation. I believe we're picking up at verse 9. And now God's saying this to Moses, Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, <laughs> who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Okay, there's a very amazing scene. How many of you guys have, have seen um, Prince of Egypt? You guys remember that scene? Actually, right now, in, in God speaking, it's, it's the voice of uh, Val Kilmer, but he does a really great job of that, and I, I watch that scene, it just makes me cry. Um, and so here in this amazing scene, God's revealing to Moses, number one is compassion, Number two, his plan. His compassion is he sees the misery of his people. They're enslaved, they're suffering. God's gonna do something about it. Now his plan, the plan is Moses. Here's my plan. I am sending you. Now I think immediately Moses feels a gap. <laughs> like not just a little gap, a tremendous staggering gap, call it a gap of insufficiency. Moses is feeling like, okay, lead one million people, one million plus people, out of slavery takes leadership on this level, all right? Takes faith on, takes everything on this level, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so not there. You, 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 it's not even funny how so not there I am. Look at Moses. Who is Moses? He is a murderer, he murdered someone. He's a failure. He tried to f do some sort of social justice rebellion. It, it totally failed. Totally failed. And then later on, he says, oh, oh, Lord, don't send me. I'm slow of tongue. Do you guys know what that means? We think Moses, I don't know if you knew this, and it certainly wasn't in Prince of Egypt. We think that Moses had a speech impediment problem, right? So when he would talk, he would stutter. Now, leaders, as far as I know, they're smooth, they're, they're inspirational, but, but people don't, don't take me seriously. I don't know, it's not that bad, but you get the point, right? Okay. Now, uh, let me just pause right there and say what God says to Moses right here in the gap is not unique in history. I'm going to make the case that God says this to people who feel the gap of insufficiency all the time. Uh, when Gideon was afraid, what God says to Moses now, God said to Gideon. When Jacob was called to face Esau, who was like last murdering threats against Jacob, God said the same thing to Jacob. When Joshua received the mantle of leadership after Moses and he was scared, God said the same thing to Joshua. When Paul was afraid for his life in the city of Corinth, this is the same thing that God said to Paul. It's the same thing he says to Moses. Can it be in this next chapter of life, it's the same thing he's saying to you. What is it? He said, but I will be with you. 
Maybe some of you have just come back from vacation and you're facing all this new stuff, new fears, new mountains to climb, new gaps. And God says to us, I will be with you. Let me just ask you, just pause right there. Is that enough for you? Do you feel like if God says to you, don't worry about it, I'm going to give you something real, what's the, I'm going to give you something, what's the something special? Here it is, I will be with you. Is that enough for you? Or you'd be like, okay, I'm good then. Is that enough for you, for God to say, I am with you? You know, interestingly, I don't think necessarily, maybe I'm reading too much into this, I don't know if it was enough for Moses, because Moses wanted to know, well, like, well, who are you? Okay, so let's keep on reading. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. <clears throat> Uh, when we get our, uh, the, the Hebrew name Yahweh, it actually is derivative. It comes from God's self-revelation. I am who I am. Let me hear you guys say, I am who I am. All right, let's, let's talk about what this means because here is God revealing his very nature to Moses um, who's wondering, well, who are you? I am means I am the forever existing one which means there was never a time when God began, and there will never be a time when God will end. Or how about this one? This is from my man, Jay Piper. Uh, Everything that is not God depends totally on God. I I love that definition, because if you think of the entire universe, right? Everything that's not God was created by God, and everything right now that is not God Its very existence depends on God right now. Your next breath, like breathe with me, is a God-ordained breath. Everything that's not God depends upon God. I, I just want to ask you now, um, uh, Han, can you show the next slide? Um, and if you, you can kind of write that down in your bulletin. This, as I read the scriptures, is God's model for ministry. This, as I read the scriptures, is God's answer for you on Monday. This, as I read the scriptures, is how God has called us to believe. This is actually the normal way. Um, I I, uh, I, I love this story. Um, My my, my wife will uh, read to our kids uh, stories, like heroes of the faith kind of stories, right? And so she was going through this one book by George Mueller. How many of you guys know George Mueller? 
that he was like a big deal, I think in the 1800s, England, Bristol. Uh, he led like, I think, I believe three orphanages. It was, it was, he was an amazing man of God. Yeah, there you go. I'm not crazy about his beard, but, but he's, he's awesome. If you read about his life, and look, if you look at the picture below, those are some of the orphans and, and, what, and the people that he would deal with. But, but this was a story that came out of his life, okay? So there was one day, and maybe you've heard me share this story, where um, uh, he woke up in the morning and there was the, the, the head mistress, like uh, the, mo- the, the house mother, that's what she was called. And she comes up to him and says, um, George, George, we have a problem, there's no food in the pantry. Okay, now this is, if you look, there was 300 kids in the orphanage, okay? And there was no food in the pantry, so the kids are getting ready for school, they're hungry, they want breakfast, there's no food in the pantry. Now, this is what George Mueller does. Um, he says, I want you to tell the kids to come to the dining hall anyways, and uh, we'll take care of it. So what he does is he goes and he wakes up his, sis, his, his daughter. His daughter's name, Abby. He says, Abby, something happened today. I want you to come along. I want you to come along and see what happens. So Abby, like, wakes up, and she sort of come along, and they make their way to the dining hall, and he's right there, and all the kids are right there, 300 kids, and George Mueller, there's no food, they're all dressed, and they're all ready, and he says, kids, we don't want you to be late for school today, so would you pray with me? And then he prays, and he says, dear God, I thank you for the food that you will provide, Amen. Now, as the story goes, it, 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 they, they waited. I don't know what that waiting was like. It was probably the longest few minutes. I imagine he was maybe has his eyes closed. Maybe the kids are all looking at each other. They don't really know what they're waiting for. But he is just there knowing God will provide. And at that moment, there's a knock on the door. The baker, the local baker comes in and says, last night I couldn't sleep. God told me I just had this feeling that you would need these. Presents him with three batches of bread and says, this is for today. And um, here you go. I had a feeling you needed this today. And at that moment, there was a knock on the door again. And there was the milkman. And the milkman was was passing through the orphanage, past the orphanage on the street. And then the cart broke down. And he's like, well, if, if, you know, if I get help and all that, the milk is going to go bad. So I just figured that you guys would need the milk. And that breakfast, all the kids, 300 kids, are fed. Now, let me just, let me just ask you. Like, you're all like, really surprised, like, 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 like George Mueller did that. But let me just ask you. If God said, I am who I am, in other words, all the universe depends on me to exist, Is this unusual or is this actually normative? Can can you imagine what your life might look like if you really believed that God will meet you in the gap and the one whom all the universe depends on will provide for you? How would you live? Now, some, I want to be like George Mueller, because here's the thing. I'm not sure I would go to my daughter and say, hey, come along for the ride. I don't look sure, I'm not sure I would do that. And I'm not sure I would go in front of the kids and say, let's pray and thank God for how you provide. I'm not sure I would do that. 
that if I really did believe, I think I would. I think I'd be more bold. I think I'd take more risks. I think I wouldn't worry as much. I think I wouldn't have those anxiety attacks. I think I would be poised. I think when God calls me to something, I'd be like, okay, let's go. Do you really believe that I am who I am is with you and that God will meet you in the gap? And if you did, how would you live your life differently? Wouldn't life be different if you really did believe that? Now, uh, I, I, I got to tell you that um, this message, you know, like summertime, it's kind of potpourri, so, it, you know, like next week is probably going to change. But here's the thing. During summer, I went to a conference. It's called GEMS, and I heard a lot of the message. This is the message that really resounded with me. And so here I am giving it to you. But I got to tell you, when I heard this message, I got to tell you my honest response. I don't know how you're responding to this message today, but I'm going to tell you my honest response. I'm listening to this message, God in the gap, cool visuals, and I, I felt like this. I felt like this is my honest prayer. I'm like, God, I'm tired of being in the gap. I'm tired, tired, tired. I feel like I'm in the gap in my health, in my family, at work, at church, in my relationship. I'm tired of being in the gap. Why am I always in the gap? And I kind of feel like this, Lord, Lord, I've been in the gap before. Like, this is, this whole thing about master of muscles is nothing new. This has been an ongoing thing, and you've delivered for me before. So I kind of feel like, aren't I mature? Like, those are training wheels, right? And then God came through for me. I'm like, now I'm good. Remove the training wheels. Why am I always back in this place where there's gaps, gaps, gaps? And this is what I learned. What I learned is that once you learn to trust in God and you see him come through, then God doesn't remove the gap but he removes your fear. Maturity in faith is to stand before this great huge gap and be poised and be confident and be like, you know, my God's going to come through. I don't know how, but I know he's going to come through. It's to stand on the edge of a cliff and to have this unshakable faith that because God is faithful, God will provide. And these gaps will never go away, but your confidence and your faith can grow. And this is what I'm telling you. This is how God was working with Moses. So, <clears throat> so what happened is that Pharaoh's army was sweeping down to destroy the people of God at the Red Sea. So Moses was like standing on the edge of a cliff, like literally. And God came through in a big way. And then the Israelites were hungry, and so they started to complain. And Moses didn't know what to do, because I don't have bread, I don't have a bread machine. And God came through in a big way and provided manna. And then the Israelites were thirsty, and God said to Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to go to a rock and then I want you to lift up your staff and I want you to just like, like smack the rock and then water's going to come out of it. And he had to lean on God and, and, and smack the rock and water came out of it. Do you, know, do you know how Moses was disqualified from entering the promised land? You know how he's disqualified? 
one day the Israelites were complaining again. They were thirsty. And God, and this is Moses in his maturity. This is Moses as a mature man of faith. God says to Moses, I want you to go and I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to speak to it. All right. no, 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 this is what Moses did, okay? Uh, they were complaining. He gives a little speech. He goes up to the rock and he takes his staff and he goes, bat! And nothing happens. And I don't know, he's looking around and he, Takes the staff again, bap again, and then water goes forth. He disobeyed God. No, 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 this is the thing to Moses. Look, I, I'm reading into this, but maybe Moses, like, I'm tired of always being in the gap and having to trust in you with radical faith. We've done it before when I just hit the rock. I just want to go and hit the rock. And God, once again, in his maturity, wants him to stand before a cliff and say, God, I'm radically putting my faith in you. We are always going to be in the gap. And I, I'm, I am thinking that Moses was tired of it. And then he was disqualified. Now here's one thing. Listen to this. Thousands of years after Moses, there came a new Moses God sent his one and only son into the world. And never did people hear a teacher teach the way that Jesus did. Never was there a man who demonstrated the kind of power and authority that Jesus demonstrated. Authority to heal diseases and to cast out demons and even to calm life-threatening storms. But Jesus made it very clear the source of his power came from his ultimate reliance upon God. Jesus said, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my Father doing. And if Jesus relied on God's power in everyday life, then you better believe he relied on God's power to do the ultimate thing that God had called him to do, which was to die on the cross. We talk about these gaps and how God meets us in the gap. And the ultimate gap was the gap of human sin. And because we are broken, because we have fallen short of the glory of God, we're going to be held accountable to God. And Jesus Christ stood in the gap, and through his death, we now have forgiveness and the power to be the people God has called us to be. He is truly God in the gap. Now, I want to tell you uh, what happened uh, to me after vacation. So, um, I'm like, I, I guess I'm really going to this conference. And so, um, it, was like, it, was, it was like, I got there Thursday night, and it went all the way to Sunday. And so, Thursday night, I'm holding back, Okay because I don't want to expend myself and then just be jacked up for the rest of the, of the week. So I'm holding back. And so I'm, I'm just measuring myself in little ways. I'm having a conversation with just this new person I met. And in the conversation, just like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Blah, 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 blah. I'm feeling like my masseter muscles are ready like stretch and feel discomfort. I'm like, this is really no good. I haven't even started to talk yet. And I'm already feeling this great discomfort. And so, I'm not kidding you, Thursday night, I started to have like an anxiety attack. 
which compounds the issue further. I'm like, this is no good. I'm having troubles talking just even in a conversation, and I'm having an anxiety attack, which is going to make it worse. This is really no good. This is really no good. Okay, so I woke up the next day. I mean, I took a sleeping pill that helped, and I woke up on Friday morning, and I was having coffee, and then during the coffee, it wasn't the coffee. Uh, Hard to explain. I felt the presence of God's spirit. I felt powerful. I felt like I can't wait to get up there and start preaching God's word. So I got up there on Friday morning, and, and it was funny because we're doing like this Bible study, and I told them it's, it's good for you. The more you put in, the more you get out, right? So Bible study, but really honestly, I'm thinking the more they talk, the less I have to. So it was like st- strategic, right? Um, and so, but then I gave this teaching at the end, and I feel like actually I feel pretty good. I'm okay. None of that discomfort. And then... Um, Nighttime, again, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was great. It was fine. But then here's my thinking. Like, there's been certain times where God's come through for a day, and I go to bed, and I wake up, and I feel all this, right? So let's just see what God does. Went to bed. I woke up. And um, during the worship time, I had this vision of Jesus Christ, like, putting his hands over my masseter muscles, like, like, don't worry, I got you. You'll have enough. Got up, preached, I had enough. That night, got up, preached, had enough. God did some amazing things. I'm going to tell you about that maybe like next month, but amazing life-transforming things. And then the next day with little sleep, I got up again, and it was probably the most free time I, I preached of, of all five times. Now look, I can't explain that. It does not make sense. Five times, two and a half days, are you kidding me? I've never seen God do that for me before. It blew me away. At the end of the conference, there were four people that became Christians There was something amazing that happened that I've never seen before. I felt like there was a bit of a revival in the community. It was all God. I don't know what to say. No, I do. God will meet you in the gap. The Lord is faithful. He will provide. It's in his very nature to provide. Now, what does that mean for you? Have faith. Be confident. Don't worry. God has your back. And if he's called you to something, say yes. And you're going to stand before that cliff, and maybe you might have an anxiety attack, but you can say, you know, help me have faith. Help me to be a person who says, I can't wait to see what you're going to do because you're faithful. God is faithful. God will meet you in the gap. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and I first want to give you a minute just to talk to God and the whisper of your heart. Some of you feel a gap in some area of life, and I always want to give you a moment to talk to God about that gap. And so would you all just stand?
Father, when we talk about a gap, there's a lot of us who don't have to think too hard. We know the gap. We know the feeling of insufficiency. There's a certain area of life. Now, in the whisper of your heart, God's people, I'm just going to give you a minute. You just talk to God about the gap. Just talk to God about your, how you're feeling. Talk to God. Just, just say whatever comes in your heart, and you can speak in the whisper of your heart. Go ahead, people of God. Maybe it's, it's, it's time to transition, like you've talked to God about that gap. But I just want to invite you, church, right now, don't look at the gap. I want you to just look at God. I just want you to think about God saying, I am who I am. I'm the one that holds together the entire universe. It's all depending upon me. So I want you to think about that and if, 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 if there's a praise in your heart or a thanksgiving or just a statement of faith that you want to say to God, then just, you can just go ahead and say that in the whisper of your heart. God, I believe you are the I am who I am. You are God in the gap. You are faithful. You will provide. All the universe depends upon you. Me too. And you can just pray that, and I'll give you a moment to go ahead and pray that in your heart. lastly we ask that question like if you really believed that God would meet you in that gap what would change maybe you can kind of pray about that you can say Lord help me to be more confident help me to worry less you can say God then help me to say yes to whatever you call me to do help me to believe I don't know that's your prayer you can just go ahead and pray that Father, I uh, just want to pray on behalf of our church. I do know that when you revealed yourself to me, my first feeling was one of just repentance. It was, my first feeling was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I trust, my trust for you is so small. I'm so sorry that I worried. I'm so sorry that my faith is so small. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to think like that. Oh, God. And there is just a repentance. And so, 
if that's appropriate for you right now and you're just like, oh, I'm so sorry, my faith is so small, you can just repent in the whisper of your heart. Oh God, give us faith to believe. Help us to trust you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are the God in the gap who will meet us. You are who you are. I am who I am. Yahweh. In Jesus' name we pray.